Hi, I'm Pat Palingo from Yale Appliance, and with me today is Steve Scheinkoff, our CEO. Welcome back to our Appliance 101 series. Last time we talked about how to start your kitchen project. This week we're diving into cooking. We're going to start with ranges and pro ranges, as well as common renovation mistakes to avoid. So Steve, today we're talking about cooking, uh, ranges and pro ranges. Mm -hmm. uh, you want to talk about what's important for a customer to know about making that decision? Well, first of all, you have to know how, you, how you're going to cook. The, the line between a pro range and a regular range has been blurred somewhat because regular ranges, even a basic Whirlpool front control has got two 15,000 B2 burners, whereas like 10 years ago, that would be 10s to 12s. Um, at the same time, a lot of the pro ranges, which originally just basic commercial ranges with power, now have features, uh, clocks, timers, different convection cycles. Um, so you really have to know, first of all, how you cook to, to know what it is you're going to buy. A pro range, typically, if we have to do you know, generalizations, pro range has got, uh, on a 30-inch, we'll have um, at least three high-output burners of 15,000 or greater. Um, Heston, actually, um, then, then you have... Pro ranges typically will come in the bigger sizes as well, 36 and 48. Um, a regular 30-inch stove will give you, say, more features. Like you, you, you should expect a clock and timer on a, on a, on a slide-in range. You expect some kind of convection, some kind of drawer or even warming drawer or even baking drawer underneath on some of the better ones that you don't get in a pro range. Pro range will give you better broilers, uh, different convection op options. But typically, the line has been blurred where you're going to get on the higher end, say, LG's, Samsung's cafe, you could get, on a cafe, you get six burners that is more total output than a, than a pro range. But the pro range will have more, more BTU output per burner. Um, but uh, you can get double ovens in a, in a, in a uh, regular front control range that you can't get in a um, pro range. So it really depends, especially at that critical 30-inch space, um, how are you going to use it? If you're going to use one or two burners, then you don't need to go to a pro. Unless you like to broil, you get the infrared broiler on the pros that you don't get on a standard um, standard range. So it really depends. So that's some of the difference between a standard range and a pro range. So why would a customer choose a standard range in that 30-inch size, for example? Well, here's the other way the lines blur is on the price. Like you look at a, say, Thermador Jenner at $5,000, they're going to give you a a free dishwasher. So really the cost is that say they, they say it's $1,300. It's not, but let's just say it's a thousand, it's $4,000 on some of your better slide in slash, um, front control ranges, you're going to spend three. So the Delta isn't like two grand, like it used to be with the free dishwasher promotions and some of the ranges. Um, but it really depends again, all gas, like the basic ones like Thermador, even blue star are not self-cleaning. Whereas the front controls are all self-cleaning. Again, you're not getting drawers underneath. Um, so the delta in price and features really depends. Like one's more cleanable, one's more powerful with a better broiler is really the, um, really the difference. Why then would someone make the step up to a pro range? What are they getting at that point? Okay. Well, it really depends. You, typically, a, pro a regular range is 30 inches. That's like the standard. Um, maybe some apartments in Boston where you can get 24s or 20s even. 
but on pro ranges, they start at 30, they go to, um, they go to 36, which is a very common size, 48, and even now 60 inches. If you're going to get a better pro range, like say some of the, some of the bigger sizes, you're going to get grills and griddle options. You can't get in a regular range. You're going to get uh, steam options on certain brands like uh, Mila. You're going to have better controls on, say, a Mila. The new Wolf's going to have Wi-Fi and, you know, the screen. You can get better broilers, as I had mentioned. You're going to get different convection op options. Most of the better ones, say the Wolf Dual Fuel, Mila, Gen Air, are twin convection models. Uh, but typically on the bigger sizes, it's all pro or typically all pro. You can get lower price stuff too in Bertazzoni and some of the you know, lower powered Italian ranges. Um, but really you can get more options on a pro range, especially grill, griddle on the top. And then some of the better ones, uh, you know, Blue Star will give you more power. Heston's got a 30,000 BTU burner. 30,000, that's a lot. That's twice as much as our, most regular burners. Um, so there's all sorts of options there in terms of top functionality with grill, griddle, French top, um, and inside the oven, whether it's a bigger oven at 36, two ovens in a 48, two bigger ovens in a, in a, in a 60, whether you're going to get a steam option, which Thermidor has, steam assist option, which, um, which uh, Mila has, or steam assist and a steam oven option, which SKS has. Um, so it, it really runs the gamut as far as how you cook, and that's the first way you would assess that. And then that's standard range versus pro range. What's, what's the price range of each generally? Let's, let's say, um, um, let's take a better, again, a freestanding with the control in the back should spend, expect to spend $750 to $1,500. The front control, which a lot of the uh, remodelers do because you can see the backsplash is kind of nice. Figure it's $1,500 to $3,000. And then your pro ranges, if you want to throw the dishwasher in there, start at about four and go the way to eight for a um, four to, I would say four to eight for a uh, 30 inch pro. Then you go 36, 48, 60, all the way up to like 20,000. Then you get La Cronu. It's specific size where you're designing your own range, which can be like Drake's range at 120,000 if you wanted to go that high. And then there's the concept of dual fuel and all gas when considering a, a range. Yep. Um, so what you want to Tell us what, what is dual fuel and then what are some of the pros and cons of each fuel type? Okay. Well, it really depends on the size because I, I don't believe in dual fuel ranges uh, typically um, in 30 inch sizes because when you say dual fuel, what people say is they want the instant on of gas with the, with the um, drier convection of electric, which is better for bacon. And that all makes sense unless you like to broil, which means you go with an all gas range or um, especially broil. No one has a electric grill outside, I suspect. Um, or it's moister if you like to roast, then you go with an all gas. But typically if someone says to me, well, I like to bake and I've got a 30 inch space, then go with induction. Induction is magnetic heat. And that's instant on um, like gas, but it's far more efficient. So, you know, it's more child safe because it's magnetic heat. Um, it's easier to vent. It's got an infinite simmer. It's easy to clean because the top doesn't get hot at all. Uh, the glass does, only gets warm by because the pot actually cooks the food. So the glass doesn't get as hot, so it, you're not baking on stain. So for 30-inch, I would say induction. The only downside to induction is it's not as reliable as gas because when you have surges, a typical induction range, not induction cooktop, induction range, will use all 50 amps 
Um, so if you get a surge, it'll, it'll knock down an induction range, which you wouldn't in gas. So it's gas is a little bit more reliable. But when you go to 36, again, let's just say that, like if you broil a roast, roast sorry, it's gonna be all gas. If you bake and you want a more precise heat, it's gonna be electric. That said, certain brands, like a lot of brands like uh, Wolf, um, Heston, SKS, Thermidor in the Pro Grand Series will offer features on their dual fuel for whatever reason. Um, those could be uh, the steam that we talked about. Those could be um, different configurations like induction on the burners. Like if you want a pro with induction, you can do that on a dual fuel. Um, it could be French tops. It could be um, uh, different ovens, but typically the controls change with, uh, with dual fuel. Like on meal, you get the master chef controls, you get steam assist. On SKS, you get their their better clock and a and a steam and 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 a um, a steam assist and a steam oven. So really, on the dual fuel pro side, you're typically getting more features that have nothing to do with the fact that it's electric. It's just something the manufacturers do at an added price. So that's an important it's an important consideration. The the brands themselves offer different features and even yes. control types depending on the fuel type. On dual fuel. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, so why don't we why don't we dive into some recommendations for different types here? So if you're considering a standard 30-inch range, what are some brands to consider and maybe what's one feature that those brands are known for? Okay, Pat, that's a that's a loaded question. The first answer I'm gonna have is really it's it's unique. Um to the situation we're in. As you said, a lot of these ranges have very similar features. Like, let's just look at the base range, for example. Like, um, like just say you're remodeling, you want a front control to see your bathroom. So, um, so you get Samsung LG, G Cafe, GE, um, Whirlpool, KitchenAid, Gen Air, um, and maybe some other brands that we don't sell. Because they have similar features, you want to take a look at your whole kitchen and, and putting a whole package together. The first question is, what is available? And that's something that's never plagued appliances. We've always had plentiful stock and everything. So the first step is, is what is available? Because um, that's important. Again, when you're looking at G Cafe versus Samsung, which is a, really a good, they both have those uh, two oven ranges. I think Cafe's better because the, the, the flex, uh, you can't control the temperature in two ovens. But very good, very good considerations on both. Um, you're looking at very similar products. Um, so what I would do is first availability. The second thing is, okay, what do you, wh what do you specifically want to buy it for? I mean, is it, ranges only can do three things or four things now, um, you know, recently, which is a, what is the top configuration? Um, is it four burners? Is it, four with a griddle making five, or is it six now on a 30 inch size? What does the oven look like? Is it single? Is it double convection? Do you have, how big is it? Cause remember it, it, it everybody makes a big deal about size of oven. Every oven is, uh, as we know from our first episode, appliances follow cabinet specs. So every oven is 35 inches tall, right? Which is counter height. It's all 30 inches wide counter width. And it's all 24, plus whatever the um, protrusion is. It's all the same, right? The only way they make it bigger is by cutting into the storage draw 
and, and tampering with the controls, whether on the top or on the side. So, so really some of the, some of the things you look at, if you're going to go from basic to better is just a basic self-cleaning range, which you can get in the G whirlpool lines. When you go up from there, it's like the top configuration, it may be one power burner and then you get convection and then you go front control and then you get maybe a, um, a warming drawer and then, and then perhaps you get a double oven or maybe that drawer becomes a baking drawer. Um, and that's really how you buy a 30 inch range. And then when we talk about dual fuel pro ranges, um, what, are, what are some brands to consider there? And what are the, what are the considerations for a customer? Well, again, it really depends how you use it. If we're talking about, remember, all the upgrades that manufacturer put in for dual fuel doesn't change the fact that an infrared broiler, of which, oddly enough, Mueller's got the best one at 23,000. They average between 15 and, and 20,000 typically. But that infrared broiler that nobody talks about is the same thing that people kill themselves on getting an outside grill. It's a sear burner. So the best dual fuel ranges will not have an infrared broiler and, they, and it's a dryer, not moisture heat. So what that means is basically you're going to roast, still roast and boil better in, um, in all gas. Um, but some of the dual fuels you may want to consider are, um, uh, let's, let's start with some unknown brands. Um, Hessen has that 30,000 B2. They also have the only thermostatically controlled griddle. Uh, the oven's still single convection. They call it pure, con pure vection. So the oven cycles on and off. If you're looking at Thermidor, you got to consider their star burner. You know, uh, which has that extra low 100 BTU simmer. Oddly enough, SKS copied that simmer in their ultra low at 100 BTUs. They also give you the a steam oven and a steam assist oven. Mueller has the Master Chef. You input time, temperature, um, and uh, you. I'm sorry. You um, you input how you like the food group and how you like it cooked. It gives you the time and temperature. You can put a steam assist in there. It's got a speed oven on the side. Uh, Wolf has a, will have a brand new with their uh, blower convection, a new Wi-Fi screen. Um has got really a, a very stylish range. And that range is, is all kind of Wi-Fi controlled. Um, they have a good mix of um, 20 and 18,000 BTU burners. And then you talk about some of the more customizable ranges. You know, Blue Star will have a thousand colors and 10 trim options. Um, La Cronier, you can customize the range from size to color to um, what you want on the top. You, if you want induction, a pro wok burner, two gas burners, a French top, you can do all that on a, on a La Cronier. So that's, that's a brief dive. Certainly, we go much more in depth on the blog between all the brands. So, what's a, so let's, let's sum it up here. What are, the, what are the top considerations for a customer when they're trying to make this decision? What are the key takeaways? Again, really, the top decision, and really probably going to end the same way every episode, is, is really assess how you cook and what you cook. Like if you roast or, 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 or if you roast and like to boil, then, then typically an all gas is going to be fine. Unless there's features you like if you're going with a, a dual fuel pro in one of the sizes, but really a range. And, and, and I like going back to the nuts and bolts because it kind of demystifies everything. You know, reliability is certainly something that needs to be talked about um, as far as, and we, we give the percentages on our blog, but absent of that is, is really how you're going to use the range. And because again, it's just burners 
controls, oven, and then the draw underneath. And then what special features you want in a pro style. And that's really how you buy a range. The real nuts and bolts of it. Dual Fuel Pro induction, which is now available in 36 inch sizes, is infinitely better than gas or electric for actually doing most of anything. Um, and that should be a consideration up to 36. And then what you'll use as far as these adders that, that manufacturers are gonna put in, whether it's steam, steam assist, we have Saba, our chef, that will help people through it. And you, you do have to learn steam. It's a different type of mode than regular radiant cooking. And that's, that's, that's basically just figure out how you use it, what you will use, and then looking at appropriate brands, as long as they have service in your area, which is not always a guarantee. And that's how you buy a range. So something that we talk about often is rent, uh, mistakes when people are renovating. Um, it's one of our most popular videos and webinars that we talk about. We actually have, we actually have two webinars on the same topic of mistakes. Yes. Yeah. So, um, so what are, let's, let's go through the list. What, where, what's the top mistake people make when they're starting a renovation? Absolutely. The top mistake you can make is hiring the wrong people, not vetting out the people that will be in your house, hopefully just for four to six months at worst a year and a half. Um, is not interviewing the GC, not looking at uh, reviews, not seeing if uh, he or she and some of the best contractors are women-owned in Boston, by the way, um, not seeing if they've done similar work. Like if you have a brownstone, did that person do a brownstone before? Um, and then not and, and then once you pick the firm, not interviewing the project manager because you don't want the owner's kid. You don't want to be the first project for some new PM. Because the PM is really the person that interacts with all the subs. And that PM should know, a good PM will know uh, the trade, will have worked in that trade and worked himself, him or her up to, um, to project manager. That is the biggest mistake. And then the second mistake is, is, is uh, not making decisions, is not having a plan and not making decisions. Those three things are the worst mistakes you can make and they're all avoidable, right? I mean, no one's ever said, geez, you know, I, I, I shouldn't have got the white cabinet or the gray granite. There's no painful regret with that. The painful regret happens is when the kitchen doesn't match up with the way you use it, right? And the way to, the way to avoid that, again, you're gonna, you're gonna have problems in your construction, but good contractors mitigate problems, bad ones cause them. So really, that's the way you want to start. And good means, and good contracts will know all the good subs, good, good cabinet shops, good appliance stores. And I know that kitchens are a small part of this, of an overall house construction. But it's all about your lifestyle, how you fit it into that kitchen, what you'll use, and then making decisions. And making decisions takes on a different form than it would have, say, even two years ago. Because now with dwindling supplies, I'm not just talking about appliances, I'm talking about lumber, you name it, you have to be, you have to be ready to make decisions to get the stuff ordered so your project isn't delayed in an inordinate amount. So those three things, and we have 11 mistakes that we had in the webinar, those three things will derail your project, absolutely. And then we talk about, you, you mentioned cabinets. So I'll talk about the role that cabinets play in the kitchen and how people trip up there. Yeah. Well, again, what you want to do is 
every cabinet shop will say, hey, it's, it's nice to meet you, Pat, um, but you need to pick out your appliances because the appliance is specifically the placement of the cooking, whether it's centralized in a range or whether it's split between a wall oven and a, um, and a cooktop really dictates the flow of your kitchen. So that's what the cabinets need. The cabinets need the appliances. After that, I think we've already explained it in episode one, dishwashers are 24 inches, most of the refrigerators are 36. Um, everything standard beyond sinks and cooking. So once you pick that out, you should be fine. And then, you know, what type of cabinets, whether it's you're gonna go totally custom with custom dimensions, semi-custom where some of the specs can be changed, stock line or RTA, which is ready to assemble. Um, whether you do that is, is still dependent on what appliances you pick. Another area where people trip up is um, using an outdoor grill on the inside of their home <laughs> or under a cover, under a roof. Yeah. I, I mean, it, it's, uh, that one is, that one's a, uh, that one's one you're not going to get away from, but you know, if you take a look, I mean, um, ventilation is really a key mistake. Like if you get a, say a, a Wolf or Thermador or Jenny or Heston, whatever, you're probably going to be happy because the performance is similar. It's what you do in terms of how to ventilate the basics of how to keep your kitchen clean, which is ventilation. Uh, and you don't vent properly. And, and, and we always recommend putting a gas in the outside of your house. If you have a grill, you look outside and see what smoke it causes. You don't want it typically inside your house, but if you do, um, you want to vent properly. And a lot of people don't. Um, I would say if you want a grill, you would go with a hood that's 27 inches and you would go with a grill that, I, I'm sorry, a hood that's 27 inches and 1500 CFM and, and start there. Outside blower, you really want to you really want to evacuate that type of smoke in your kitchen. It's, it's just not healthy and will set your fire alarms off. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And then another, another common area where there's issues is uh, wall ovens. People will st potentially stack wall ovens on top of each other, which can be great, but what are some, what are some issues there that pop up? Yeah. I mean, uh, stacking wall ovens. I mean, you mentioned some popular uh, trends on house and, and I love house, um, don't get me wrong, but just because it's there doesn't mean it's right. Um, if you're gonna stack a microwave on a double wall oven, just know that if your average height, male or female, you're gonna be reaching over your head for that microwave. And if you've got a small, like I have a four-year-old that if she tugs at your, at your dress or your pants, that's not a, a safe situation. Especially because what a lot of people have is islands and you can always move that microwave into an island. Um, that's a, that's just a, a, a bad mistake plan. You don't want to have boiling hot soup and putting and, and bringing it from over your head down. That's, that's, that's a big mistake. And that's a kind of a, a big trend of, you know, we can centralize cooking and we can help you do that at Yale, certainly, but you don't want to over centralize your cooking where you have like six different things in your oven. And it's not usable. Yeah. It's great to centralize the cook, cooking, yeah, but, but make sure it's functional. It's, yeah. yeah. Functional. And you touched on ventilation, um, downdrafting. Is, is an area that keeps popping up, especially down using a downdraft with the professional range. You want to touch on why that's a big issue? Yeah, because everything will work if you don't use it. It really is. I mean, vents are fine. I mean, downdrafts are great if you don't use it. But just realize that if we talk about ventilation being CFM, which is okay in a downdraft, and you went up to 1,200 CFM, that's enough. 
but the real thing is capture in, in, in really in a, in a, in a downdraft, you're only getting a, a two to three inch capture area, no matter what the manufacturers say. Um, if you put in that, and, and we've seen pictures on house with grills, griddles, and up to now 30,000 BTUs per burner Heston has, but the average pro range is somewhere between 18 and 20, it just won't work because there's not a capture area. It takes it too far. It has to, you, you think of gravity and smoke. Smoke goes up, this goes down with, a, with an elbow to boot, which, you know, the more you turn exhaust, the less static flow you have. It just doesn't work. And, and this trend keeps coming up. Uh, Brown's got that new one and they show it with different ranges. The more you cook, the less you should do a downdraft. And the simple solution to a downdraft in your kitchen, if you're planning it in, is take the cooking out where you're centralizing it. And unless you're putting an overhead hood and put a, a sink in the middle instead, you're still centralizing your core appliance, which is sink, uh, stovetop, and dishwasher, only you're putting the sink in the island. And that is a dreadfully hard mistake to recover from especially if you're doing it in condos where you got upstairs neighbor, you can't do it after the fact. So, mm -hmm. so to summarize, it's, it's really important to start by finding a good team for your renovation. Start by making sure you have a good team assembled and then make sure that stay away from these common pitfalls yeah. as much as possible. Yeah. We, we have detailed, we talk about problems as much as solutions on the blog or as solutions to the problems, but you don't want to create them. I mean, you know, planning kitchens like living your life. You want good people around you, uh, not bad ones. And you want to be able to now in a COVID situation, you can plan, plan, plan. But the moment you sign a document saying you're going to have a, a kitchen planned and you're on go time and you have a um, and you have a contractors where you have to make decisions. So before you get started, have your decisions made and then hire the contractor and then the cabinet shop and then refine that. But you have to make decisions because Sub-Zero is now six months out. We mentioned in the first episode, Bosch dishwashers are probably four to six months. So common items have got really long lead times. And, and that can be a real problem, not just appliances, but lumber, tile, all that stuff where you don't make the decision. They run out of stock. The project's dead for a month. So Yeah. It's a really unique situation, but something yeah. that we have, you have to plan around. Hopefully we'll be able to redo this webinar in 2022 later, 2023, and say, buy it like you always did, you know, four to six weeks beforehand because we'll have plenty of inventory. Okay, thanks for watching this week's episode. Next time we're going to dive into that cooktop and wall oven conversation. Um, if you liked what you learned today, please subscribe. And we'll see you next time.